0: This is the Maxing You Podcast.
1: Maxing You Podcast.
0: Where dating extraordinaire,
1: fitness expert, and
0: former Miss Marilyn talks all things self-growth and relationship elevation. She's got you covered on mindfulness, fitness, nutrition, relationships, and self-care. You got a girl that can finally do it all. You're one place to listen to for all the things that matter. Now, here's your host, Coach T. Hey friends, it's Coach T, and I'm so excited that you're back for another episode of Maxing You, and I'm super excited because today we have on our first guest of the new year, and her name is Kezia, and she is a positive psychologist. So what better way to start this new year than to start with our thoughts and to figure out what we can do to up-level by first changing things internal to us, and she'll even touch on how we can handle relationships with those that are external to us. So I'm really excited to have her on. And so with that, we'll get right to it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Maxing You. I have Kazia here with me, who is a positive psychologist. I'm so excited about her work and her joining us today. We're going to get some amazing nuggets. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, it's just a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this podcast for some time. So I'm happy we've finally been able to get it scheduled. This is amazing. And so I'm sure you know a little bit about what we do here at the podcast. But one of the things that we focus on is really sort of elevating our minds so that we can be the best that we can be. We work overall on elevating relationships. But my philosophy after having been in matchmaking for a while is, hey, it really all comes down to you. Comes down to us as individuals and our self work. And so I thought, well, what better thing to talk about than positivity or how to sort of control
1: and take harness of the mind? And so you're- I love it. And it's something that I feel so passionate about. So I cannot wait to get dived into this.
0: Absolutely. So you're a positive psychologist. So I'm sure a lot of people are
1: wondering, well, what is that exactly? Can you define uh it for us? Of course. So historically, obviously, psychology is always focused on what's wrong with us. And Martin Seligman was the kind of founder of positive psychology. And he was just like, well, actually, what makes people, communities and organizations flourish and thrive? And that's really a kind of snapshot of what positive psychology is. We focus on what's right with you. And we build that up in order to step forward into a life that we absolutely adore wow i love that so of course
0: i know what psychology is of course i've heard of psychologists but never a positive psychologist and it's interesting because maybe one of the reasons why people tend to fear or stay away from psychologists is this idea that a lot of negative things are going to come up
1: and now they'll have to address those <laughs> yeah and i get that again especially here in the uk because i know in the states you know Seeing a psychologist or a therapist is is kind of commonplace here in the UK. They still kind of feel that it it's not something that you would do on a regular basis. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, depending
0: on the the environment here and the demographic, you know, there are different um, thoughts on that. But but very <laughs> interesting. Uh, so diving into this thing,
1: you start us off here. What are we talking about? Let's so. Say. One of the things that we, we we said we would dive into is, is about the mindset stuff because it's, it's an area that I absolutely love. And obviously, you know, at this moment in time here in the UK, we're in lockdown. We have been since Christmas. Um, and, you know, I hear so many people saying, well, just think positively, just think positively. Everything's okay. But um, there is something called toxic positivity and I want to touch on that a little bit before we kind of dive into the mindset stuff because just thinking positively is it has its downsides. It can be very toxic to just focus on that and that alone. And I think this is the confusion that people make with the positive psychology is it's all about happy thoughts. It's all about those good emotions that make us feel wonderful but... I, my belief is that those so-called negative emotions are as juicy and as exciting—not when you're necessarily in them—as the the so-called positive ones. They're there for a reason, and um, the warning signs that they give really help us course correct to living that happy, flourishing life.
0: Wow, so no, that makes that makes a lot of sense, and that's another thing that I think irks a lot of people that others just you know come with this very glossy positive. Outlook over everything, and then these people are the people who end up saying, you know, I don't like this positive stuff or this yeah. mind uh, set work stuff because it just feels too fluffy. So I like that mm-hmm. you said that, I like you
1: said. and and a lot of the time we do. Um, y- you know, one of the things that we kind of touched upon just before we came on live was, you know, a lot of the things that we believe about ourselves, we believe about our past. You know, you know, you might have gone through something quite negative and people go, well, just think positively about it. Well, that's all well and good, but it happened in your life for a reason and we have to unpick it. And, you know, when you consider that up to 50 percent of your memories. To a certain degree, and nothing but lies and elaborate stories that we tell ourselves, it really does. um bear witness to kind of take a step back and dive into both the positive and negative aspects of our life and look at them with a different lens.
0: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And and that's really important because at least in my perspective and working with clients uh, who are in relationships and even in my own life, you know, there are things that have happened and they're there. And I tend to do a very good job of being able to compartmentalize those things because I've found their place. I've taken the lessons from them and now I can put them somewhere. But I find that when people, you know, can't pick it apart, then it's really, really hard for them to move forward. It just becomes a never-ending story from which they see, you know, nothing that they've gained from it except the negative.
1: And especially, I should imagine, in your work as a, you know, focusing on relationships, you know, if you've had a bad experience in the past, you kind of come to the next relationship with this preconceived notion of what potentially might happen again and and that changes the lens of how you view the person that's sat in front of you the way that you're having that relationship the conversations that you're having and I I remember giving an example um, I'm writing my book at the moment and I, I gave an example of you know you're sitting opposite you're on a date and all of a sudden your date seems distracted And your experience is, oh, here we go again. Here's a man or a woman that's not interested in anything that I've got to say at all. Here we go again. And actually, just by asking a question and and touching base, you can find out whether that is true. But the reality is that that gentleman in my story, in my book, was sitting there and he'd been suddenly taken off track because he'd heard bad news during the day. So what a woman was perceiving to be, here's a person that's not interested in me again, was actually a gentleman that was distracted because he'd had bad news. So we often take the, the, the so-called bad stuff of our past and we bring it forward into the future and it can right. tinge the way that we view the world, the relationships that we have, the way that we view ourselves. Exactly,
0: and, and at least in my work and, and even in my life, I tend to find that, well, you know, your mind allows you to be right. So if you continue to, to say, you know, there are no good people out here in online dating, well, then you happen to be one of those people who never finds anyone good in online dating. Meanwhile, you know, we see these commercials of all those who
1: have had success with online dating. So most definitely, <laughs> our brain has a negativity bias. It's, it's It's what historically kept us safe. It was a survival technique. So we're always looking for the danger in any scenario. And unfortunately, the way that our brain works is when we see what we potentially think is danger or we feel a particular emotion, it quickly searches the database and goes, right, okay, last time you felt this or last time you experienced this, you did this. And before we know it, and any of those ladies or gentlemen that have been triggered by somebody set opposite them, and before they can even, kind of rain the words back that are spilling out of their mouths they're kind of rippling onto this repeated behavior repeated pattern with no fault of their own they've just their brains put two and two together and come up with 156. I know it it's so interesting
0: it really is interesting and at least in my world I always say you know it's like the people who date continue to date <laughs> they don't <laughs> find really positive long-term relationships. You never really see those people get off the market for any substantial amount of time. And it's usually because of the very thing that you're talking about, um, because they're constantly having this, you know, fight or flight response to everything based on a previous experience, so.
1: And if you change the way that you view a memory and you've got to understand how our memories work as well, you know, and the experiences that we've gone through. So we'll have an experience, Our senses will take in all of this information, whether it's seeing, hearing, taste, touch, all of those, the feeling, and we will bring that information in and we will create a sense of meaning around what's just happened. And then we start to create a story around what's just happened. Now, if you've created that story when you were five, your lens of the world is gonna be a lot smaller then your lens of the world, I mean I'm 48 now, your lens of the world at 48. So a lot of them, the, the things that are influencing our dating, our health, our relationships, our wealth, our all sorts can often be influenced from your five-year-old, outdated, very small view of the world. So this is why it's really important, I believe, to edit your life frequently and ruthlessly you know if there are bits of your life that you don't like or experiences or behaviors or or anything it's your story you can rewrite it at any point so look at it and go when did I actually establish that belief when did I actually create that story around my life And then look at your lens of the world. What was going on for you at that moment in time? How worldly wise were you? You know, um, who was in your life influencing your decision making? And it can change absolutely everything. Mm, I love that. Those were
0: very, very key words and so on point. Um, Because, you know, I am a firm believer. That we are constantly able to rewrite our story, and if there's something we don't like, we can change it. And think so many people sit feeling that it is what it is, instead of sitting in their power and knowing that it can be changed. And um, that's part of the philosophy at at, uh, at Maxing You and what we're all about. So I'm 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 loving it, and I love the gym that you gave about lockdown. So here in the states, we are coming up on our year anniversary. Yeah of still being on lockdown, we never really came out. Um, and so, gosh, there's so many thoughts about that. Um, and so you know, many thoughts formulated about relationships that have um, come together or broken apart because of it, what it means for the wealth um, or lack thereof for people, um, friendships, all these things. So I'm loving what we're talking about. It's very on point. Uh, so tell me about now, Well, we talked about toxic positivity. So how do we move from toxic positivity to something uh, more manageable, but in the positive realm? Where do we go from from there?
1: Well, I think, you know, you've just said there that you really haven't stepped out of the lockdown in this year. Um, And uh, I think a lot of people have found navigating the situation and in many cases, the isolation, In a variety of different ways and yes of course we all want that happiness you know most things that we aim for in life is because we want to feel good we want to feel that happiness but in the negating the other emotions i know we're seeing people across the board you know um in a situation where they feel alone because it looks like to the outside world that everybody else is just dealing with it everybody else is just happy everybody else is is putting a positive slant on it and of course we want that but the negative or so-called negative emotions are there for a reason i always say it's like um, having an alarm system on your house your alarm system there is to alert you to an intruder you know beep beep, beep. you know somebody's trying to break into your house it's trying to destabilize comfort and security that you've got that's why we we have alarm systems and the same with those so-called negative emotions when when they come in if we stuff them down and and men if you're listening this is unfortunately something that you've been taught to do is stuff these emotions down and, and there's certain emotions that men aren't meant to feel so you're not meant to feel sadness you're not meant to feel anger you're you're not meant to feel some of those so-called feminine emotions. So what do you do? You shove them down and you discard them. And at some point in time, they've got to come out. So as we navigate this situation that we're all in globally, when those emotions come in, I think it's a case of just kind of holding it in your hand and going, right, okay, I'm feeling fear. Why am I feeling fear? Where in my body am I feeling fear? Because where you feel it in your body can influence you know um, how well you feel, how sick you feel. You know, panic attacks if you're feeling it in your chest, um, uh, uh, nausea if you're feeling it in your gut. And just actually exploring exploring it. Is it there as a guidance system? Is it navigating you to where you need to go to be able to make the next choice or the next decision? Yes, we can just discard it and say, oh, well, I'm just going to say think happy thoughts. But at some point in time, it's going to come back and knock on your door and say, hello, can we deal with this again now? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there are so many, as
0: adults, there's so many of us walking around with unresolved stuff. And people bring it into relationships, whether it be a romantic relationship, a work relationship,
1: financial relationships. And then we just sort of, offload (laughs) it yeah Yeah. and and it's normally the slightest trigger that offloads it so you know talking about this kind of men and they're stuffing it down and women do the same and we stuff it and we stuff it and we stuff it and then one morning we go to the fridge to get milk out for for our coffee there's no milk in the fridge and before you know it you've exploded like mount Vesuvius at the nearest person beside you. And they're kind of looking at you as if to say, is, we just have no milk. Okay, I used the last bit of milk, but we just have no milk. And, and this is where, you know, as I'm sure you deal with on a, on a day-to-day basis, this is where the discord comes in relationships because what one individual explodes about is not what the problem is. It's that buildup of those different emotions getting higher and higher until they've got to have an outlet somewhere, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and that takes a lot of
0: continuous self assessment, mm-hmm. checking in with oneself. You know, I have to do that often. And <laughs> we, we we should all be doing that, yeah. uh, but but we end up having better relationships because of it, and. You know, and the premise of, of maxing you is to constantly be working on self-growth and maximizing ourselves, knowing that we're, we're never done, it's never complete, um, but it's a constant work in progress. And as we progress on ourselves, we're then able to do better in relationships, whatever those relationships are. Yeah. Uh, and, and I notice even in myself and in my home, you know, just me doing those check-ins allows me to, you know, be more present In real time situations with my partner, with my kids, um, and lots less, uh, you know, of of explosions, not to say that they never happen, because I'm sure everyone goes through those things. Um, But sometimes it's really interesting to just play it back to yourself. You know, was it the milk that I was really upset about? Was it the milk? Um, (laughs) If we're really honest, it's
1: like, it wasn't the milk. No. And nine times of 10, it isn't. And, and I think the hardest thing, and, and it's the first step really, is awareness is key. So y- your body would have given you warning signs before you reached into that fridge looking for milk You know, you might have woken up, as they say, on the wrong side of the bed. You're already feeling tense. You're reactive rather than proactive. You know, you've been worrying about something that happened in work or a conversation with somebody. So you're already, your whole body is already priming itself for this experience. And that awareness of, okay, checking in yourself and going, do you know what? Actually, I'm not feeling the best today. And when you do have that explosion and you're not able to rein what's spilling out of your mouth in quick enough, it's then going, right, actually taking a deep breath in, deep breath out and going, do you know what? Actually, that that was totally unnecessary. I'm sorry. Um, You've triggered me or something you've said has triggered me or this triggered me, but actually this isn't the reality of what's going on. And it takes... A big person to be able to have those conversations but it starts with the conversation inside it starts with actually come on you're a bit bang out of order and it's it's about flexing that muscle how quickly can you catch yourself in awareness before it starts unraveling at a rate of knots
0: mm, very good now what are any practical tips that you have for not allowing yourself to get there? How can you start managing things in real time so that it's not coming up when
1: there's no milk? When there's <laughs> milk it's just about no milk. How do we get there? I think, um, the, the, you know, dealing with the emotions as they come in. So if you have that emotion, that so-called negative emotion coming in, explore it. It's coming to your awareness for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, and You know, when we have those feelings coming in, depending on what they are, anger or jealousy or or frustration, or we can tend to take that and pinpoint it on something or someone outside of ourselves Mm -hmm. rather than going, okay, I'm feeling this. Why? What's going on in me? Yes, they might have triggered it, but what's actually going on in me? Is this an outdated limitation, belief or fear that we've brought through from childhood? Is this something that needs to be addressed right here, right now? Because if we're being triggered, is it that actually you just need to have a conversation with your partner and go, do you know what, actually, I haven't said it but it really bothers me when you say that sentence because it's just not always is the one in our household. You know, the kids, the kids, I, I do remember my son when we lived in Barcelona, he's 12 now, so he must've been about 10. And it was his turn to clear the table and he cleared the table and he was heading off to the dishwasher. And for whatever reason, he dropped the plates, five or six plates smashed on the floor going everywhere. And my husband goes, you always do that. And it's like, well, no, actually, the word always, he doesn't. He's often cleared the table on a daily basis. And it's only one or two times that he's dropped something. Mm-hmm. So that word for me was a big trigger. It's like, oh, no, no. So when you understand what are the things that are triggering you, why you're feeling, why you're feeling, and whether the the, the situation, the personal thing that's triggered it is really the the core root of the problem or whether there's something else going on.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I like that. And, and I think in a busy society here, I mean, you'll have to tell me how it is over there in the UK, but you know, here it's sort of a rat race. Everyone is constantly on the go trying to make something happen uh, professionally um, or at home. And so there doesn't really seem to be a lot of time to sort of manage these emotions and feelings as they come up in
1: daily life and so there never is a good time until they just come out no and 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 you you're right i mean it's the same in america as it is the same here you know People wake up in the morning. They grab for their phone. You know, I think Motorola did um, a study, and they found that ninety percent of people that they interviewed about phone usage had picked up their phone within the first forty-five minutes of being awake. Now they actually showed it for the first ten minutes, the first five minutes. You know, as soon as we pick this up, we're we're now reactive. We're we're reacting to the things that are coming in. So you might pick, I mean, I I run my business, so I might pick this up and I might go and look at my emails. If there's something going on or something hasn't been paid or something hasn't been allocated or or done, I'm now in reactive mode. So actually bringing the control back to us and being proactive. How do you want to start your day? Hmm. You know, who do you want to start your day with? I like to be left alone first thing in the morning. Which is not ideal when you've got a family. So it's like, right, I get up earlier. So I have that alone time before the family come in. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we want to live our lives? So many of us are on autopilot rather than intentionally and consciously living a life that feels good. And actually, even just from the thoughts that we think, you know, 80% of our thoughts are repeats from the day before, and the day before that, and the day before that. You know, so many people are living Groundhog Day each and every day. So let's start by being proactive. Let's start by looking at being intentional and conscious as to how we want to live our life. What kind of relationship do we want? I remember before I met my husband, we've, I've been with my husband for 20 years. Um, I met by moving in next door to him when I moved back from America back to England. And I um, I had a list. I had a list of, of things that I wanted in a partner. And I remember the girls at work just taking the, the, the Mickey out of me, you know, uh, making fun of me. And they were going, You're never going to get all of those things on your list. And I said, Then I'm happy to be by myself. Mm-hmm. I was intentional and conscious about what relationship I wanted the partner that I was choosing for myself, the husband that I wanted, the father of my children, the the partner for grandchildren and great-grandchildren. I was intentional. So we have a choice. And so many of us have just stepped onto this treadmill of autopilot and Groundhog Day. And we never pull back enough to be able to assess what an intentional and conscious life that brings us joy and happiness would actually look like.
0: I love it. You said so many amazing points. You know, for me, it's, it's always just making the decision every day and being intentional about, am I going to be reactive? Am I going to be reactive? Or what is my intention for the day? That's not going to change regardless of what happens. And you know, if you have children, anything can happen. <laughs> yes. right? Anything can come up. And um, if you have a business, anything could come up. And if we allow the outside world to be the deciding factor for how we're reacting and what our moods and emotions are, then we are on a constant roller coaster. It's totally unpredictable. Um, And, you know, for me, it's just been deciding, well, regardless of what happens, this is is how I'm going to approach it. Um, And I've felt a lot better since I did that. And like you said, you know, I've been one of those people who goes to pick up the phone the first thing in the morning, but then I've made a decision. I'm checking my emails at this one particular time of day. That's it. I don't look at it otherwise, because I don't have time to get pulled into all the stuff, yeah. you know. And um, and that's also been a really, really good thing. But I loved what you said in your life about waking up earlier and having your own space before everyone comes in. I've been doing that for years now. I actually am up at five.
1: Oh my goodness! And, and <laughs> I'm not that early.
0: It it allows me to work out for my hour, and then it allows me to do meditation or quiet time for another 30 minutes before people start to stir. And I feel a lot better because I used to feel so overwhelmed when kids or anyone or work would call and then it would just be like a barrage. So yeah. you've got to find what makes sense for your life.
1: And it means that when the children do wake up, you can be present because we owe it to be present with those people that are in our lives. and. You know, when we were able to go out to restaurants, I can't I mean, we tend to go out as a family um, and I'd, be, I'd quite often see couples and they're out on a date or they're out with their partners and they're not present. They're both on on their phones doing their thing. And yeah, I think we're setting up our life so that we can be present for ourselves first and foremost. Right. But we can also be present for those people that we, we love and adore and are in our lives. Uh, absolutely. Now, have you any advice on s-
0: decluttering the mind chatter? You know, one of my favorite books of all time um, was a book by Eckhart Tolle, A New Earth. And it totally changed my life. And then there was a book by, um, you know, Michael Singer. Um, the name is not coming to Untethered me. Soul. But, Untethered Soul. Tethered Soul, right? And that also, change my life once again. I read that one after Eckhart Tolle. um, And it was like, wow, there's so many things going on in my head. Um, And how do I quiet those things down? Are they necessary? And are they my allies or enemies? And are they even true?
1: (laughs) And why is this movie on autopilot and never stopping? Right? Yeah. (laughs) I, I get it. I, I get it. And I think there are um, uh, several things to consider just looking at this, this one area. You know, right. the, the first thing is, yes, we are, you know, living a world where we're going at 90 miles an hour. And most of us, um, and most of my clients anyway, tend to be in what I call survival mode. So literally they have put themselves at the bottom of their to-do list. In actual fact, they're not even on their list. I'll be totally honest. They're not even on their list. They're, They're going, going, going. They're doing, doing, doing. Everybody else is more important than themselves. And they're absolutely exhausted. You know, I I quite often say to my clients on a scale of one to 10, how exhausted are you? And they just burst into tears. That's how exhausted. And it's not because they're weak. It's because they've been strong for so long. You know, we've been taught as a society that multitasking is something to be revered. It's something, you know, we have, especially as as women, we you know, mums. we have this multitasking badge that we wear with pride. Well, I managed to work 12, 14 hours yesterday and I still managed to bake a cake, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, All the while, while the pin at the back is like gouging out our skin and we're bleeding from it. So Mm. when we're in that survival mode, the internal dialogue in our head is brutal. And at that moment in time, it's because we're so exhausted, our filters have disappeared. Because we've been giving to everybody else, we have no resources left to give to ourselves. And when we step into that space, that internal dialogue, that little voice in our head becomes brutal. Our positivity wall has totally disappeared. Anything that would normally bounce things in. So we, you know, somebody makes a comment where before, if you're full of energy, you would just kind of let it brush over you and you wouldn't think about it. But when you're in this survival mode, you stew on it. And so what's going on in your head becomes so brutal that actually, if you were to say it out loud, people would be shocked that you're even speaking to yourself in that way. Mm. So when you're finding that internal dialogue is getting louder and louder and cooler and crueler and harsher and harsher, I advise my clients, I call it the nurture energy space to stop. And in that space, if you don't stop the universe, God, Buddha, Allah, whatever you wish to believe in, Will force you to stop. Mine looked like pneumonia. Six weeks in bed, uh, getting got out, then I had food poisoning for another two weeks because I was not looking after myself. So if your internal dialogue is going 19 to the dozen, the chances are you're in the survival mode. And there is only one way to go in that mode, and this is down. So the first thing that I would say is stop and actually look at how good are you at topping up your energy bucket and i always say to my clients it's like a stainless steel bucket everything that you're doing throughout the day is either topping that bucket up or draining it down so when we sleep our bucket is topping up and we can only give from the overflow of our bucket not from what's in because what's inside is for us and for us only so when that bucket's overflowing the internal dialogue is going to be supportive it's going to be loving it's going to be compassionate it's going to be caring but when we're depleted it's not so the first thing I would say is stop take some time out for you it's the it's the hardest thing to do in the world and I'm not talking about a little bit of a massage or a facial or you know just an afternoon I'm talking like stop take some proper time out yes does Mm. that
0: make sense it does you said something amazing and it was that we can only give from the overflow yeah yeah because so many people are trying to dig into the cup
1: (laughs) and we do because we want to contribute we want to help we want to give and And when we do that, we instead of contributing, we end up self-sacrificing, and they feel different. Contribution is where you're able to give, 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 because it feels so good because you've got everything. You're like fully abundant, fully in aligned, feeling amazing. Self sacrifice feels like frustration and anger, and being annoyed, actually, you know, when people say, well, could you do this before you can say no, yes spills out of your mouth. And then you're like, God damn it, why did I say that? And then you start kicking yourself up. Why did they ask me that, you know? And it's because you've said yes to someone else instead of saying yes to yourself.
0: Yes, and saying no to people is sometimes the kindest thing you can do for them and yourself because half of the time we don't wanna be there doing the thing anyway. So we're not showing up in, in our best presence. So that's really interesting. You know, for me, that's been something I've been working on over and over again. You know, I get invited to so many things and just saying no, you know. And
1: no's a complete sentence. We you know, <laughs> uh, we, we tend to go no because no, just no, no. It, you know, it's not rude, it's just no, I'm really sorry, I can't do that.
0: Right. And i I'm I'm feeling better, you know. <laughs> This, this morning before this, I had my inbox full of people who were asking me to do something else. And
1: you know, it's like, no.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> once you get used to it, and it is again, like flexing the muscle, once you get used to, I'm saying no, not because I don't love and appreciate this person, but because actually I love myself more. And actually what I'm doing wouldn't bring me the joy that I'm, I, I'm aiming for and you know we don't want to feel obligated all the time we have enough obligations ah yes absolutely
0: i love it i love it this is great i love these nuggets and what would you say to i mean do you have a do you have a third tip or step to round this out for anyone who's struggling so if they were just to implement a a few things I mean, I know this is a matchmaker, when you're trying to change something here, you've, I give people three, three things um, that they can play around with so they can find one that fits for them at the time.
1: So one of the things that I would say, um, it kind of goes back to uh, the memory side of things, you know, 50, up to 50% of our memories could actually just be nothing more than lies. If you have a repeating pattern showing up in your life, so if we're talking relationships, for example, you know, um, I, I had a client actually, and uh, she shared this openly, so I'm not breaking any confidentialities. And and she, highly, highly successful, like highly successful, you know. And her her main issue was relationships, finding that dream person, and we we assessed where the you know. I said, "Well, what do you feel about this?" And she, "I'm always on the outside. I'm I always feel like I'm on the outside." And we managed to find the memory when she was three years old of what kick-started that off. And she'd put two and two together, like I say, and came up with 156 as to why she was on the outside. And when she realized what was actually going on, she was just like, oh my gosh, that makes perfect sense. And it changed the dynamics of her belief around relationships. And quickly after that, she met somebody and you know, had a beautiful relationship that was like, oh my gosh, here we go. This is what it's all about. If you're struggling, if you have a repeating pattern showing up in your life, try and identify the very first memory that you have where it started and what was going on in your life at that moment in time. So what was going on in your circumstance? What was going on in your family life? What were you feeling about yourself at that moment? Had you just moved? You know, there's a new baby in the household. What was going on? And what story have you built around that? And if you can, especially if it's a young memory, ask parents or caregivers around to find out what truly was going on. Because oftentimes when I ask my clients to go away and go speak to your mum about that, they go. That wasn't what it happened at all. Mum's story is X, and they've created this whole thing that's held them back from the best relationship, the health, the wealth, the abundance that they're looking for around a false narrative that they've created.
0: Mm, I love that. So so true. So interesting, and 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 so on point. I mean the gems that you've given this audience today are just amazing. There's so much to go out and utilize. So I love having guests on who give practical tips. You know, I consider myself to be, you know, a a very spiritual person, but at the end of the day, I'm also very practical. And I want to know what can I do um, and, and what can my audience do? So this is amazing. And so you are writing a book, you say.
1: I am. I'm writing a book on the energy code. So, um, after, you know, kind of being around people for a very long period of time, I realized that there's four different energy spaces that we go through sometimes on a daily basis. Um, And when we understand how to harness the power of each of those energy spaces, it can change the money earning potential, our health, our happiness, relationships, the whole shebang, because Mm -hmm. a lot of us are pushing when we should be pulling back. And a lot of us are pulling back when we should be pushing. So when you start to understand your own unique energy code, rather than working with the heritage patterns that have been passed down through the generations, this autopilot, Groundhog Day, then you can start to create a life that really makes your heart sing. I'm I'm loving this. Um, Do you know when the book is to be
0: released or you're, you're in the writing phase? No,
1: I'm still in the writing phase. I'm hoping that it will be sometime after June, of this year. So probably in the latter half of the year, maybe September ish time. I just I've I've written out most of it. But you know what it's like, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. And I've kind of left it and I come back to it. And then I leave it again. And then a little bit more information comes in. So yeah, well, you'll have to
0: come back and join us. So you can uh, talk about the book, uh, you know, at that point. But if someone wants to get in touch with you, what is the best way to find out more about your work?
1: So you can find me on Instagram or Facebook as Kazia Luckett or alternatively KaziaLuckett.com is my website. So you can come and, you know, um, see what I'm doing there. Perfect.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.
1: We look forward to seeing you again. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. So
0: I hope you enjoyed listening to Kezia and all of her thoughts with positive psychology and how we can start implementing them right away. I know that personally, I will be implementing some nuggets that she gave us. And so with that, I'm really excited to get this train rolling in the new year. And I can't wait to see you back again uh, for the next episode. In the meantime, check us out at maxing underscore you on Instagram. See you later. This was another episode of Maxing You. Keep up with Coach T off the podcast and follow our Instagram at Maxing underscore you. Oh, Want some more of Maxing You?
1: Yeah, I'm late. Yeah.
0: Visit our site, MaxingYou.com.